G'day Pop Pickers, welcome to another installment of Beautiful People. Um, I hope you don't fall before I push you, but uh, this is episode five and uh, we have another mystery guest for you tonight. So welcome to Beautiful People, good to talk to you. Good to talk to you, Dwayne, I'm glad to be here. So, so tell us where, where you're uh, calling in from. I am in Austin, Texas, defrosting in Austin. Is it cold there at the moment? No, it's not cold here. It's like 60 <laughs> out. It's a beautiful day. Uh, cool. This is, this is uh, uh, Australia, and I just had a spider come down right here, right here, and I just had to pull it aside so it didn't get into shot. Even the spiders are trying to get into view here. And that's Australia, guys. That is Australia. Um, so I noticed you went to the uh, the uh, University of Kansas. That's what it says on your Facebook profile, but you're not in Kansas anymore? I'm not in Kansas anymore. I, I was in Kansas for a long time. Um, I was in Kansas when big country was uh, not in Kansas anymore. But uh, no, now I live in Texas. So Cool. So... Judging from your posts that I've read on the various Facebook pages and groups, um, it could be it could be hard to constrain this uh, beautiful people into less than say three or four hours. Um, <laughs> are you going to help me out there, or? <laughs> well, I, I don't know. I mean, uh, I, I honestly, I, I sometimes feel like I, I shouldn't post too much in the groups, not because. I, I, everybody just has their own impressions about big country. I learn an awful lot from everybody else. So I don't know. I mean, uh, there's some really good fans out there. And I, I don't just mean the ones that post all the time, but sometimes people just have fantastic memories and stories of the group. And, um, in the U.S., unfortunately, we just haven't got to see them as much. And I know y'all in Australia are the same way, but you got something coming up here and we don't. So mm. I don't know. I mean, it's... I'm just amazed sometimes about the memories of the group and people just say, you know, about hanging out with the guys before or after a show. I had some of that because when they were, last time they were here on the U.S. tour, I got to hang out with them a little bit. They were so kind with their time. So, I mean, every second y'all spend with them, it's just, it's amazing to fans like us that don't have the access. Yeah, absolutely. And I just noticed that, um, that Sandra Watson is jumping on, or has jumped on to watch us. So hey, Sandra. I want to say thank you to Sandra for being so kind to me. Well, wow, how long ago was it now? Eight years ago when I saw the band for the first time. And Sandra was very, very friendly with all the fans and saw that I traveled a long way and, and knew about my radio show when I talked to the guys before. And, um, she, she was uh, very kind in taking me back to meet the guys after and hang out with them after the gig. So I haven't forgotten. I have not forgotten. It was an awesome experience. Thank you, Sandra. Stuart Menzies is also on. Hey, I was going to get my Scottish accent for Stuart, but uh, I think I'd embarrass myself. Um, and uh, Philip, Philip Chambers is on too. So uh, hi, guys. Now, if you haven't watched um, Beautiful People before, this is a vidcast about big country fans and uh, how their musical background led them to become big country fans. We've all got an amazing amazing stories that all lead us to the same place and that's big country so alan just scrolling through your facebook page i noticed you've got some interests in music that 
could be a little bit different to to others. Tell me, tell us about that. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess in a way, my interest started out probably just like everybody else's because I mean, a big country hit the scene when I was a teenager, and you know, in a big country came out in the U.S. and you couldn't avoid it. You didn't want to avoid it if you had any taste of music, as far as I was concerned. I had several friends who went out and bought The Crossing as soon as it came out. We all fell in love with it. Um, growing up, before that, I was a big Beatles fan. And um, I, I just really loved the Beatles. I, I loved all their solo stuff. I loved all their albums, everything like that. And so I started to explore other things that were like that. And I found The Who, and I fell in love with The Who. Um, really enjoyed their music. And then when Big Country came along, it was pretty different from a lot of the pop stuff that was going on. There were some things that were kind of almost as good in the U.S., but not quite. And there was just so much energy there for Big Country that, I mean, I really kind of felt like it was a, another invasion here in the U.S. where we were getting away from some of the really popsy U.S. music that was just seemed like it was formatted and formulated just to be radio hits. And to me, seemed kind of superficial. That's why I guess why I like '60s and '70s music so much more than what was going on in the early '80s in the U.S. And uh, Big Country came along and just kind of blew me away. And I guess not long after that, I started listening to a lot more classical music. I grew up listening to classical music some, and I started listening to opera, and I kind of fell in love with that too. And I guess for the next few years, that probably kept me a little bit more entertained than a lot of pop music did. So I would just kind of switch back and forth. And I found something I liked or, you know, I'd go back to a Beatles album or a Who album or something like that, or go back to Steel Town, for example. And I found a lot to listen to in those that seemed to me like it had the same kind of quality and complexity that classical music had. So I don't know. I mean, I, I pretty much listen to what I like, you know, and I, I think a lot of people get stuck listening to a genre or a band or you know they kind of tough it out even when there's something they don't like and i just jump around if there's something i like i just grab onto it and listen to it so, kind of free little like that uh just a couple of people have jumped on um stewart says hi pete k says hi and uh anchor or is it anka anka says um she loves opera as well so you're not alone there um so you were you were there right from the right from the beginning yeah when when the yeah. country invaded so when when other poppy what were the what were the u.s pop stuff uh, around by then i remember at, well, i was at school then and duran duran was massive so yeah yeah i was a duran duran fan too i mean i kind of like some of the british synth pop stuff i like duran duran i like thompson twins a lot um i just had a chance to see tom bailey from the thompson twins last year live he's fantastic i don't know i mean I, I guess part of it for big country for me was the fact that it wasn't all synthesizers it was something very different it seemed to me like it went back to those groups like the who that kind of came up playing blues rock you know rock and all kinds of just different music just kind of mixed together i mean with a synthesizer let's face it you can get one guy up there and he can do the whole song by himself you got things like soft cell which i mean i like those groups but I, I kind of liked it when there was a little bit of depth to it. It wasn't just synths. So, I mean, something like Thompson Twins, they often had a lot of acoustic sounds on there. They had a lot of percussion going on, too, along with the synthesizers. So, I mean, that kind of kept me entertained. 
But uh, yeah, I mean, as far as U.S. groups, there was a lot of things like Journey, Styx, REO Speedwagon. I mean, they had some great songs, but it just seemed to me like the production and the marketing of those groups was just out to sell records. And sometimes it seemed like they really weren't too into getting to the depth that somebody like Big Country could get to. They really didn't want to just, you know, um, do something impressive like The Who were doing. Um, just, you know, I, of course, part of the problem, too, is, you know, at that time, I think music was kind of in that rut where you had it splintering. You had punk, you had disco. Everybody kind of had to figure out their own direction. And that was another thing that was really cool to me about Big Country is that it seemed like they didn't just take one path. They took all the paths, you know. They incorporated Celtic music and uh, country and western and rock and pop. They just, again, like me, I felt like they just kind of were eclectic and picked whatever they liked and just kind of mashed it all together to make what they wanted to. That was really cool to me. Yeah, speaking about all the different styles, like every album that Big Country has has a different style to it. And the first album that I really thrashed was The Seer. So that's kind of my first um, really hard. I, like I had mixed, I'd made mixtapes because I was too, I didn't have any money to buy albums. So I had little cassettes and I'd make mixtapes. Um, and I had In a Big Country and Wonderland on those. Um, but when I could actually buy The Seer, I actually thrashed that to death. So when I got round to buying the crossing i went back to the crossing it was so different to the seer <clears throat> in my mind <clears throat> at first i didn't really like it um like in a big country was 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 obvious the obvious one because i knew that very well from my mixtapes but um when it when it went into inwards like there's nothing on the seer like inwards um and i really i really didn't like it and now inwards is probably one of my favorite tracks on the crossing uh, but that's how different that's how different they are so i really hear what you new things i mean every group has that right to develop to change styles to change gears to sometimes go down the dead end or sometimes go off in a different tangent i mean every group has the right to do that um, just like, you know, any writer has the right to do that. Any movie maker has the right to do that. You can't really constrain the creative mind, even for somebody who's not a great artist. Sometimes you just want something different. You get tired of being stuck in a rut. So, yeah, I mean, I hear you with the seer. Uh, it's very different from the crossing. And I mean, I guess you can make the same thing with Steeltown. I mean, it's so much louder than the crossing is. Wonderland. Mm -hmm. Out and kind of blew me away when I first heard that on the radio as a single because I thought, wow, this is a lot heavier than The Crossing. The miking of the instruments just seemed to be much more upfront. Everything was higher in the mix. It was more in your face. It wasn't quite as laid back. But then when I finally bought the single, I was looking at it, I was like, it's the same people and the same producer. So this is some kind of big development for them. So I really was looking forward to Steel Town when it came out. And I mean, I got to say that it was a little bit harder for me at first than The Crossing was. The Crossing, just as I heard it, I loved it. But Steel Town, when it came out, it was so dense. It took me a while to kind of pick apart what exactly all was going on there. And still, you know, I guess a lot of people say this. Every time you listen to it, you hear something new because there's so many overdubs and so much layering of material and guitar parts and just, you know, all the intricate drumming. There's just so much going on there. 
And I kind of like that about Big Country too, is that they would just shift back and forth like that. Because you could say the thing about buff, Buffalo Scares is it's loud, but they would switch back and forth between being a little bit more on the lighter side, a little bit more towards, if you will, country and or folk side, and then getting a little bit heavier again. And sometimes they're mixed up on one album, and sometimes one album is just heavy, like Buffalo Skinners. So uh, I yeah. like that, bro. Yeah, Steel Town, listening to that for the first time was quite an experience for me, too. Quite an experience, because once again, that's different to The Crossing, too. So you're absolutely right. Um, have you got a favorite album? Because Steel Town is, is mine. It seems to be the, the fan favorite. But what about yourself, Alan? Yeah, I hate to pick favorites. I'm awful at favorites because as soon as I mention a favorite, I'm always like, oh, yeah, but I should have also mentioned this. Now, if I had to pick, if you really put me on the spot, so you can only have one big country album for the rest of your life, I'd have to pick The Crossing just because it really blew me away when it came out. But then I'd start thinking and go, well, wait a minute, because I love songs from this album and that album and all these other albums, too. And I'd be like, oh, no, I, I really regret that choice. But if you put me on the spot, yeah, I'd have to say The Crossing. So how do you prefer listening to music? Do you like uh, turning up the stereo loud? Because that's how I always used to be. Uh, but now since having small children and um, a wife who doesn't really like loud music, um, I have listened a lot more in recent years uh, in my headphones. And when I, when I um, stopped being so tight and invested in a, in a good quality set of headphones, the experience that I got, particularly some of these remasters, uh, was phenomenal. Have you noticed that as well? Or how do you prefer to listen to music yourself? Well, I, I honestly like to just listen still through speakers and listen loud if I can. I mean, it depends. If, if nobody's home, I'll turn it up. Not, fortunately, I, I have enough space between me and neighbors. Nobody complains. I don't live in an apartment. I have a house, so I'm pretty cool with that. But uh, no, I mean, I my kid doesn't mind it a little bit loud my wife likes it loud too but she likes a lot of i don't know i mean totally different stuff from what i like she kind of went in the other direction and i remember when we first started talking about things that we liked she said you like that weird group big country because she only knew it a big country and now that she's heard some more but she's okay with it it's not her favorite thing but i don't know i mean um yeah i like to listen to it loud i've never been a big fan of headphones or earbuds I'll use them, but I'm not a big fan of them. I just kind of like the music going through the air and coming into my ears, you know? When you can feel the whole room shaking, I kind of like that. And honestly, I do that with classical too, so it's not like I just like rock out or anything. But yeah, I mean, I'll turn on something. Even if it's not that loud, sometimes somebody will come in and say, that's too loud, could you turn that down? Because I can't hear the TV in the other room. <laughs> but I don't think it's that loud, so, you know. What can you uh, Just a shout out to... Uh, oh, shout out to Islet. Is that how you say? Um, she said, great to see you, Alan. She's going to watch the replay later because it's her bedtime. That's the problem with international broadcasting, isn't it? We're all over the place in terms of time zones. But Svine is on. And a big shout out and a big thank you to the guys from The Great Divide who have uh, kindly allowed me to do this vidcast from their page. Um and uh, keep the masses happy between their extended periods between podcasts. Have you been listening to The Great Divide from the start, Alan? I didn't listen to it from the start. I didn't discover it when it first started. I I've gone back, 
honestly, I hate to say it, but I'm not the the greatest at keeping up with it. I haven't listened to the last couple ones. Um, some of them I've only had time to listen to kind of as a background type thing. I, I told Vine this one time that I really like to take notes when I listen. I don't know. Maybe it's because I spent so much time as a student, but sometimes I'll be listening and I'll be like, oh, oh, I got to write that down so I can come back to it later. So I try and type up notes as I go through. And sometimes I go back and listen to something three or four times till I finally understand what all they've picked apart and all the details. So, I mean, there's probably people who have heard all the podcasts through a couple of times that I have missed a few of them. I need to go back and pick up on them. I tend to pick ones that are about things that really interest me, like, you know, the ones about the crossing, for example, or if they have, you know, like Bruce on, they've had some fantastic special guests to be able to get these people to come on and do it. And I think probably I'm like a lot oh, of people. Well, that, they've had me on, Alan, so. Exactly. I mean, exactly. They've had so many fantastic people. I have a John on. I mean, you know, just all these people that kind of inspire the rest of us to keep our big country, our big country dreams and our love alive. That, I mean, like I said, you know, there's a lot of people I think we didn't know that there was that many people that really were still thinking about big country, still listening to it, still collecting it. Um, you know, it, it was kind of an eye-opener for me because I kind of always was going back to what my wife said, where, like, you like that weird group, Big Country. And, uh, you know, I discovered there's this whole community and many communities, actually, online through Facebook and there were more before that. I mean, I knew about the, the chat board back on the old Big Country site, but I didn't have a chance to interact with it very much. But I, I kind of looked at it every once in a while. But now, I mean, there's... There's something new every day. Somebody pulls out a performance I haven't seen before or I haven't watched in a long time. Or, you know, Andy with one of his fantastic posts will point out some little thing that I guess most of us have probably overlooked, the way something was performed live and the way they changed it over the years. Or, you know, I mean, just so many things that come out that I guess we kind of either took for granted or some of us just totally missed them. I mean, I'll be quite honest, I, with all the things that I listen to and I do, um, there were some times when an album would come out and I wouldn't catch it for like a year or something like that. I mean, I knew it was out, but I just didn't have time to buy it. Or I'm really bad, too, that I'll buy things and not listen to them for like a year. I mean, I hate to say this, but I'm a huge Beatles fan, like I mentioned before. I haven't listened to Paul McCartney's last two albums, not even once. His last album, Egypt Station and New, I haven't listened to either one of them. I have actually multiple copies of both of them but I haven't listened to either one all the way through. So, I mean, I, I'm really bad at that. I'll just stockpile stuff. And uh, I did that with Big Country for a while, too. I would buy something and not listen to it for a while. And then, you know, occasionally I get to the point where I'd be like, okay, I'm going to listen to this. And I don't want to say I was ever disappointed because I never was disappointed, but sometimes I was really surprised at the different directions that they took. You know, I just wasn't expecting it. And some of the stuff was really hard to get in the U.S. I mean, no place like home didn't come out here. So, I mean, some of the stuff was really hard to get here. And every time I discover something new, whether it's, you know, um, a live performance I didn't know about or a variation or whatever, I just, I kind of, now I just devour it. And there aren't that many groups that I would do that with, honestly. But with Big Country, I do that. If I discover something new like that, I still need to find out about it, know about it. If I can buy it, I, I definitely like to squirm by buying everything I can. So, yeah, yeah, I'm kind of that kind of collector. I have to admit that I missed the release of the Rock Palace collection last year. I totally missed it. Uh, I don't know why or how, 
but I only heard about that when um, I think the Great Divide was talking about it towards the end of the year last year. So I've only just recently got that. Haven't even haven't even seen or listened to it all yet. Um, but I think that Rock Palace. Speaking of the Rock Palace one, the nineteen eighty six one. I think I've got a bootleg of that somewhere. It was released as a as a as a collection called um, Within a Shadow. I'm sure. Yeah. Yep. Do you recall that? Yep, I um, did. <clears throat> I had the, the first DVDs of, of both of those gigs, and I mean, I, I'm just thrilled that they remastered them. Apparently, the broadcaster is going through and do, redoing their whole series of everybody at Rock Palast to just redo it all, and I'm like, yay! Because I mean, that means we get more people listening to the big country, we get more people listening to classic rock. So I love that. Mm. Absolutely. The good thing about that '86 gig was. Um, some of the some of the live tracks they did like remembrance day and yeah rain dance was a big one and mate, i was just watching tony during that gig and i i don't know why i noticed him more than ever before on that particular gig but he is just so intense as a bass player he's just you know you go to a lot of gigs and you watch the bass player they're playing a strumming a single note the whole time just to keep the basic basic rhythm but Tony was so full of, of melody as well in his bass lines. It was just so full on. I got to appreciate it so much more with that release. I'm glad it, I'm glad I got it, found out that it was out. Um, just uh, Amanda, Amanda's jumped on, g'day. And John, John Wilbur's on as well. So thanks for joining guys. Now, do you have any other thoughts that you wanted to share on, uh, on Big Country before I get on to uh, Another very important topic, Alan. I think you can work out what might be coming. Well, I, I mean, I'd like to just jump on what you were just saying about Tony. I mean, I, you could say it about all the guys. I think, I don't know. I mean, listening to him because we didn't. I didn't get to see him that much back in the, back in the day. I mean, they weren't here, and we know what TV was like back in the day. You got what you got, and that was it. Now we're getting to see all these gigs on the internet. We're getting you know DVDs like reissued, and it's just it's amazing to see some of these things that I kind of took for granted. And you can actually see what they're doing, and it, it is amazing to watch somebody like Tony who's playing. You know, he's playing the bass line, yeah, but he's also playing melody things, like you said. He's playing rhythm, the way he and Mark work together. It's just absolutely amazing. And um, I think a lot of us for a long time kind of took Bruce for granted. Like, you know, he was just playing rhythm guitar or something. But if you watch all the stuff that Bruce did back in the day and that he does now to try and recreate what Stuart did, it's just amazing. It really is amazing. And if you watch like Poor Man, you know, from like the earliest days, Bruce is just working throughout that whole song nonstop. And it's just really shocking to think that you got all this sound and all these different things coming out of just these four guys or now five guys on stage. It's a lot of stuff coming out of just so few musicians. You got Mark's drums that are all over the place doing all kinds of fills and you know, little stuff with the cymbals and just everything coming out of that. You've got those bass lines that Tony came up with that just sometimes, like you think about Angle Park, for example, I mean, that starts off with the bass. He's basically playing the guitar part in addition to playing his bass part in Angle Park. So that mm -hmm. the guitars are freed up to do their own thing. And yep. it's really amazing the amount of creativity those guys put into their arrangements and the way they just put their songs together. 
I mean, they're just fantastic musicians. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. And I never got a chance to see Derek, but I've, I've got to say, having seen Scott a few times, he just makes what Tony did, which was amazing. He just, and I think Scott learns all those parts by ear. Um, so he does an amazing job too. He puts a lot of energy into it. So hats off to Scott as well for, for taking yeah. Tony's amazing bass lines and retranslating them for us uh, in, in the current day. It's really, really cool. So um, I hope, I don't know, how, how can we get these guys to do a couple of dates in the States? What do we have to do? I, I guess make it cheaper to come over here and do it would be the ultimate because it's just so expensive for them to come over here and do it. And, uh, Is it? I would have thought, thought it'd be cheaper to go to the States than to Australia. I don't know. I really don't know. I think just the way the permits work here and just all the stuff that they, all the red tape that they have to go through to come here, I, I kind of feel for them. And I, I just don't know what is going to happen over the next couple of years with the world economy, the way groups are going to be impacted by this. And it's not just going to be our fan, us fans, but it's going to be the groups themselves. It's going to be harder for them to tour. They're just going to pretty much have to stay on their home turf just because all this stuff is going to be more and more expensive. I mean, let's face it, travel is more expensive. Hotels are more expensive. You know, all that kind of stuff just plays into it. So I don't, I don't begrudge them one bit for not being able to come here. I know they like to. I mean, I, when I talked to them after after their show last time they were here, you know, they everybody said we'd like to come here more often. I said, please come back. And they said, we will if we can. So, I mean, you know, I, I get that impression from people that they like to get out there. They like to come to the States. They like to go every place that they're welcome. But sometimes financially, it's just it's just a wash for them. They just can't do it. Yeah. Spine has just placed a comment up and he is asking, Alan, he says, tell us about your big country draw, Alan. Tell about what? Your big country draw. My draw? Yeah, your draw. Am I? I it's I'm sorry. My, my you know, like a drawer in a desk. Desk yeah. draw. So like I what? Think, I think he's referring to Tom's big country collection in his drawer, which was quite messy. So I think Svine wants to know about how you store your collection. Oh. <laughs> Well, I, I think everybody would probably find it pretty pathetic the way I actually store my big country collection because I had, I mean, I have just cases. I think Swine does too. I've seen some of his pictures. I have just bookcases of CDs around the house. And um, most of those are things I've had for a long time. So I have a bunch of big country that's in a very nice bookcase along. I mean, it's next to really great stuff like the Beatles and the Who and stuff like that. And then I have stuff that I've gotten more recently over the last, I don't know, maybe 10 years or so. That, that was after all those bookcases were full. So most of those things are just like in boxes, very nice boxes, very sturdy boxes, I might add. But they're piled up in, in various places. And my wife is always like, how do you find anything? I was like, I don't know. I just remember where I put it, you know. You have to do that sometimes. But it's not just it's not just CDs. It's, it's you know, DVDs. It's movies. It's everything. It's just kind of that way where the older stuff is all very nicely put away on the shelf, and the newer stuff is just kind of like that. So, yeah, I mean, if I had a drawer, I don't know how big that drawer would have to be. It would be a really big <laughs> one. I don't know. But, yeah, I mean, and 
I got to be quite honest. Sometimes people will talk to me and they'll ask about something, and uh, you know, I'll even get uh, private messages from people, and they'll be like, you know, how, how can I get this or something? I'm like, I don't know. You just got to be in the right place at the right time. Sometimes, I mean, Stuart does a fantastic job of keeping us up to date on what's you know what's available on the trading post and eBay and so forth. Sometimes mm. you have to go out if you're really looking for something and go through Discogs or something like that. I don't collect vinyl just because I don't have the space for it. I, I haven't had a turntable for like five years now, so I actually don't listen to vinyl anymore. I, I was able to get some rare big country vinyl. I mean, I bought it back in the day, but then I stopped when CDs came along. So, I mean, I don't really actually have that much vinyl. And most of the vinyl I have in my house right now is big country, just because, you know, it's rare and the chances where you get to get it, you have to jump on it. So, yeah, most of the vinyl in the house right now. I'm trying to think of what I actually have on vinyl in the house. It's probably less than 30 albums. And I think most of them are big country between 12 inch singles, seven inch singles, albums. Yeah, most of it's big country. But yeah, this, the collection is a mess. People would hate it if they saw it. They'd be like, this is a mess. <laughs> oh, they haven't seen my place. Um, Stuart <laughs> has asked the question What's your favorite collector's item that you have? I'm assuming he's talking big country. Wow, I don't, I mean, I guess because, I, I mean, I, I hate to say it, but I really just love the fact that I have a copy of The Crossing from when it first came out in the U.S. I know a lot of people say that the U.S. version sounds better. Uh, it's not a collector's item because I mean, you can go to eBay and probably buy a dozen of them, but it's my copy, so I know that nobody else played it. I've got that, and I've got then the, the Japanese version on vinyl of The Crossing, the first issue of that. So those are probably my two favorite. Neither one of them are particularly rare. I'm sure you can go out and buy them. But just the fact that they're my copies, I bought them new back in the day, back in 83, just having them and knowing that those have been my copies all this time, that means a lot to me. Very good. All right. I'm going to digress just slightly because I have to. <clears throat> because I, when I... I think I was posting about beautiful people and you made a comment and I looked at your Facebook profile. <clears throat> and one thing stood out to me. You were cosplaying as the seventh Doctor Who, Sylvester McCoy. And I thought, here is another guy who loves big country and Doctor Who like me. That was, they were my two big obsessions in, in growing up through the 80s, 90s, and it's never stopped. Big country, Doctor Who, that's it. What is your obsession with uh, Doctor Who, I'm just curious. Sorry, big country fans, this is a digression, but I have to do it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, so I guess some people, if, you, if you're into anything like that, you're immediately obsessed with it and you're kind of a geek or something like that. But, you know, I mean, when I was a kid on the Saturday morning TV shows, my local public broadcasting started showing Doctor Who. And I was, I don't even know how old I was when I first saw the first Tom Baker episode I saw. We never had the black and white episodes on TV in the U.S. until basically the last five or six years. But in the 70s, we would get the Tom Baker episodes. And I saw one, and I don't know, I just kind of got hooked on it. I thought it was pretty cool that it was clear that they were doing it not like a movie, but they were doing it more like a staged play. You know, where the, the sets were there and the props were there and everything, but that wasn't the important thing. The important thing was the story and the imagination that went into it. And if they had to make ends meet by using really cheap props or using the same location over and over again, that wasn't so important. 
because you do that in the theater too. You sometimes have to reuse sets. You sometimes have to reuse props. But it was the amount of story, the amount of imagination that went into it that really just kind of, as a little kid, it just kind of like, you know, made me start thinking. And my brother really liked Star Trek. He liked the original Star Trek. I liked that okay too. But it just seemed like Doctor Who, there was just so much more going on in there and so much more invention in there. So I always, I always liked it. And uh, I just kind of stuck with it. I don't know. I mean, then when I finally was able to see all those 60s episodes and to go back and watch those, there's a really a lot of creativity going on in those and a lot of just kind of good craft of TV making on those. So yeah, I love that. So sorry folks, if you're tuning in from big country and you're hearing about Dr. Who, but that's just, <laughs> I wouldn't say I'm obsessed, but I do like it. I enjoy it a lot. I do. Well, I'm obsessed and I don't dress up as Sylvester McCoy. <laughs> or I think your current one that you've got up there is a David Tennant one, right? Yeah. Yeah. I actually have done, I think, for Halloween, I think I've done half of them now. I did do the oh, 13th wow. Doctor this past Halloween, so yeah, I, I have done, I think, half the Doctors now. Yeah, you did the 13th, yeah, I did the 13th this last Halloween. Yeah, I did. Oh, I've got to see a picture of that, I haven't seen that. Well, I can change my profile picture to that. I can do that. <laughs> yeah, I, so far, I think I've done, let's see, I've done one, two, four, um, seven. 10, 11, and 13. Yeah, so I've done over half of them now. As long as you're counting Jodie Whittaker as 13. Yeah, I am. I'm counting Jodie Whittaker. I don't count the War Doctor. I don't. I won't even go into that stuff. But <laughs> it's too confusing. Way too it's confusing. confusing. They should have just got Paul McGann or something and made it less confusing. But anyway. Yeah. Very good. So, well, people are asking who. <laughs> I know you don't like favourites, Alan, and I'm exactly the same when it comes to Doctor Who. I can't pick a favourite. I've got preferences. I don't have favourites. But David's asking, who's your favourite? Who's my favourite what? Doctor. <laughs> my favourite doctor? Mm. Oh, well, I mean, that's a really tough choice. I Again, I'm awful with favourites. I love the first doctor. I love the second doctor. When I first discovered the third doctor, I thought he was going to be my favourite. It's hard not like the fourth to like the fourth doctor. Uh, I'm kind of unusual in that I really like the fifth and sixth doctors a lot. I love Sylvester. Um, I have to say it's easier for me to pick my least favorite doctors, and those would be eight and nine. I just felt like eight, you got one, you got one story with him. Nine, you've got one season. I feel like nine, he didn't get a chance. I mean, it was his own choice because he decided he was only going to do it for one season based on the information he had that might only last one season. But, um, you know, I, I, I don't dislike any of them. I know a lot of people really dislike one or two of them. But, um, yeah, I'd have to say for me, just the, the fact that they weren't there very long, eight and nine, to me, seemed like they're the weakest. So Okay. That's your opinion and you're sticking to it. Exactly. <laughs> oh, Spine says, you've got to rank all the doctors now. Chop, chop. <laughs> I would really fail that. <laughs> No, the, well, when it comes to the Eighth Doctor, he's got he's got dozens of um, audio plays through Big Finish, um, which I've been following for for years. Big Finish is a a company that produces original Doctor Who audio plays with the original cast, and you could spend well. Lucky I've been going since nearly the start because if you were starting now with all the backlog of stories that they have to catch up on, you'd never catch up. So. Uh, 
yeah, some of the some of these doctors need to start dropping off so they can make a bit less. For us to catch up. <laughs> no, we don't want that. We don't want that. No, we don't want that. Because even Tom Baker's doing audios now, so that's, yeah. uh, that's pretty cool. All right, uh, Kenny's just jumped on. Kenny, you've jumped on right at the end. <laughs> and I've got a dash in a minute, so we've got to wrap this up. Alan, have you got any final thoughts on Big Country, Big Country fandom, anything you want to share with, uh, with the fans who are on? I, I mean, I really just wanted to say that, uh, again, it, to me, it's just fantastic how supportive the fans are of the band. And I know some people aren't on board with the current lineup, the way it is today. But, you know, I mean, live and let live is my opinion. I can understand them not, not liking the way it is today. I mean, let's face it, it's not what any of us would wish for if we had our, our choice. But at the same time, when I got to hear them live, the only time I got to hear them live, was when they came to Austin, Texas on their last tour. And to just hear those songs live with Mike Peters and Derek playing the bass, I mean, it was just amazing. I never thought I would hear those songs live. I never thought I would hear them live, not with those guys playing them. And I told them that, and I told Mike that. I said, I mean, I really appreciate you doing this because he didn't have to do that. He could have gone on with his own career and done his own thing, but I really appreciated him putting all that effort and energy into that music and the same thing with Derek you were right when you mentioned it before I mean he put a lot of work into it and he didn't have to do that but they really wanted to keep this stuff alive for us because they know it's special I mean they're musicians they can tell this is special stuff and I think that's the, the main message I have for my fellow fans is that I mean I think we've done a fantastic job of keeping the legacy of big country and of Stewart alive just by you know keeping on plugging away discovering new things and collecting it and going to gigs if you still like the way it is today if you don't that's fine because there's still so much classic stuff that we can discover at concerts and you know talk about the good old days and it, it really is too good to let this music just slip away and just say oh that's you know 80s or 90s music and, and forget about it and just put it on as oldies because it's just too good to let it just slip away we just can't do that it needs to stay alive just like Stuart told us, it needs to stay alive. Alan, that is a beautiful uh, line to finish on. Thank you very much for uh, for jumping on with us today. Really appreciate it. Thank you very much, Alan. It's been a pleasure. And uh, um, if you uh, are on the replay, just drop your comments in the in the replay uh, because we'd love to connect with you. No doubt, Alan will uh, will connect with you as well. So thanks very much for watching. And until. The next episode of Beautiful People. Stay alive. If you believe you're own black and dark.